Well, uh, tonight we're going to talk about stewardship, uh, which to some may make you think that I drew the short straw, uh, for sure, to be talking about uh, stewardship. Because when we think about stewardship, we think probably a lot about money. But there's so much more to it than that. So actually, we're going to turn it right back to the tables, and we're going to have another little table discussion. We're going to have four of these tonight total. So you just had one. We're going to have four of these. So I hope you like the people you're sitting with uh, and that you're willing to be honest with them. But here is what I want you to answer at your table. And you have to think about this, but be honest. It's all right. And, And I believe that probably a lot of you have this that's happened. But what events have produced the greatest amount of stress in your life today or this week? All right. What are the events What events have produced the greatest amount of stress in your life today or this week? What events have produced the greatest amount of stress in your life today or this week? Just somebody say one. Work. Work. Finances. Yep. Kids. What else? Uncle Sam. That's right. Good old Uncle Sam. Kids again, kids, kids, kids. They're not in here. It's all, it's all good. Anything else? Politics. That's what he said. Politics. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, probably you all have an answer to that. And there are, you know, we have all kinds of stress inducing things that take place in our lives. And Don Whitney, who wrote Spiritual Disciplines that we've been taking a lot of our information from, for him, he says, that the two greatest amounts of stress that we deal with in life, and I think I would agree, come from the clock and from the dollar. It's time and it's money. So a lot of y'all that said kids, 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 I'm in the middle, I got three teenagers, um, and I feel like I have 50 teenagers right now in my house, uh, but three teenagers, and it's just, it's time is a big part of that for me. I feel like right now I am in, as I am coming home, they are leaving, and as I am leaving home, they are coming. We just, we pass in the night and it's just time, right? So the clock is a big part. It's just a stress indicator. And I just want to, I just want to pull aside and just be completely transparent with you. It, it is, it is hilarious only by the grace of God that I'm teaching this tonight on being a steward of time. Because I'm, I'm coming out of just a, I am in the middle of just a terrible management of my time right now. So we're going to learn this together. We're going to, I'm going to remind you of what I need to remind myself of. So we're going to talk about being a steward of time. And then the other one, somebody said finances. And it's true. When we hear the word stewardship in church, you think about giving. You think about tithing. But it's more than that. It's about being a steward of what God has given us. God has given us time and God has given us money. What are we going to do with it? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, and we're going to take a lot, talk a lot about that at your tables. And what are some ap- what's some application from this? But I'll start our time out for sure. So you have a handout, as you can see. Um, it doesn't have a lot on it, and that's because my time, I didn't have time to give you more blanks. Uh, so once again, transparent all the way around. Uh, but here we go. Let's talk about the stewardship, stewardship of time, if we can, first, uh, because we do want to start there. And I don't want you just to think that this is a sermon just to get you to talking about where I can finally talk to you about money and about tithing. Please, here, it's so much more than that. One of the things that we want to make sure that we're doing is that we're stewarding our time wisely. This is what it says in Ephesians chapter 5. And I love this because Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5 deals with the family. And it talks about husbands loving your wives and wives respecting your husbands. But it also talks right here in Ephesians 5 verse 15. 
It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. That's not a very encouraging verse uh, at face value, but there's a lot there for us to see. There's a lot that is going to come at you, some that you know is not good use of your time, that you know is evil towards uh, contributing to a good life. And then there's other things that are masked as okay or good, but they're not. And then there are those things that are good that we should put our time into. And Paul takes time to tell us to use our time wisely, to make the best use of our time. You have all heard this verse, Proverbs 24. It says, a little sleep and a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. You've heard that, a little sleep, a little slumber. It's just talking about not being lazy and and, and making good use of our time. We see all throughout scripture talking about what we're going to do with our time. There we go. There's some kids that are not where they're supposed to be right now, uh, getting there fast, it looks like. Uh, so we know that we want to be able to, we have to use our time well. Um, I have been a part for many years. There's an organization called SLU. We take our students to it. My own kids started going to it last, um, uh, last summer and uh, Student Leadership University. And it's just really a lot of life lessons and leadership lessons for teenagers. It gives them a 20-year head start on leadership. And one of the sessions that they do is called Swallow the Big Frog First. And it comes from a Mark Twain quote. And this is what the quote says. If you know you have to swallow a frog, swallow it first thing in the morning. And if there's two frogs, swallow the big one first. Right? So it's this concept of swallow the big frog first. Of course, you probably know what that means. But what it says is you have these things that are going to be in front of you with your time. How you're going to spend your time. And a lot of times what we do is we have this big thing that needs to get done. It can be work, but much more important than that, maybe it's a conversation with your son or your daughter, or it's it's a significant conversation you need to have with your wife, with your spouse. Um, We have this big thing in front of us, but what we do a lot of times is we put it off and we say, I'll get to that later. And we waste time. Maybe it's because we're fearful of it. Maybe it's because we don't want to have to put the effort and energy into it. We don't want to focus on it. So we just keep putting it off and we put it off. And before long, um, we've lost our day or we're just so, we have no energy and we can't do the hard thing. This is all about doing the hard thing first. So when we talk about you being a steward of your time, one of the challenges I would give you would be to swallow the big frog first. The hard thing that you have to do, that you have to get done, knock it out and get it out of the way. Now there's a lot of You can read a lot of books, listen to a lot of podcasts that will tell you about how to be most effective in your day, and you need to find what's the right zone for you to get the most done, all of these things. But the bottom line is, is it a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands for rest, and we, we, it leads towards not getting things done. It leads towards putting off the hard things and just having those hard things the very next day. So for some of you, I know that doesn't sound like a very biblical Um, method for you to use, but keep that in mind. What is the big frog that you need to knock out? And one of the ways that you do, you knock out that big frog is, is that you you recognize it, and then you also, you assign it a place that you're going to take care of it. So for me, I know that I have hard things that I need to get done in a day, and I know that the best place for me to do that is not in my home. 
Now, if it's something with my wife, I'm not going to come to work and then call my wife and deal with it. But if it's something that I have to do uh, a hard thing for work, that's going to take a lot of my time. I know that the best place for me to do that is sitting at a certain place in my office with my door shut, with people knowing I'm not available and to get that done and knock it out so that I can open up my door and be back with people and, and do that kind of thing. You have to learn. That's just a little small, easy step of stewarding my time well at work. It's the same thing if it's with one of my children. I know that it's going to be a best time to do this and a day for them and the best place for me to do that um, with each of my children, that's going to be different. I want to steward my time well. I want to use my time wisely. So that's the first thing is to steward your time wisely. Next is to steward your time in view of eternity. Steward your time in view of eternity. We talked about evangelism just a couple of weeks ago. It wasn't that long ago. And this is where this comes back to this. Our time is truly not our own. We're going to talk about with money, that uh, when we talk about stewarding money, it's all, God owns everything. It's the same really with our time. He owns our time. And what should we be doing with our time? We should be viewing it in light of eternity. So for you, I, I look around this room, there's so many of y'all that are so deep into good work and incredible families that you lead and businesses that you uh, help run or that you're a part of. You are, you're invested here in the church, and you put good time into that. Are you doing those things in light of eternity? Is it more important to you that the men that you work with, that they know about your faith, that they know that they're more important to talk about what's going on in their life than it is the bottom line that you're trying to get make sure happens in your, in your business? Do your kids know that their relationship with the Lord is the most important thing and that you're viewing your time with them in light of eternity? We have to view our time in light of eternity. And then along with that, we have to steward our time in view of its passing, in view of its passing. This is what it says in John chapter 9. It says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. We have to steward our time in view of its passing. And y'all have all probably seen, I've seen everything from a string that lays out the 168 hours you have in a week. And for every, you know, finger, uh, for every fingerprint that you have along that string, that's an hour. And if you do sleep this much and you work this much, you know, what you have to really, what are you doing with the hours that you have in a day or in a week? What are you spending your time doing? I remember when Dory and I, my wife's name is Dory, when we first got married, we'd been married about a year, and I was a youth pastor, and um, every week our church had visitation, and our students would go out, and we'd go door to door and knock on guest houses or just random houses too and invite them to church or tell them about the Lord. It was, it was incredible. My wife was a school teacher, and so every Tuesday night she'd get off from, from that, and she'd come over and meet, and we'd go, and we would do visitation, and then we'd always go eat somewhere with all the students. And uh, this particular night, they picked Burger King. I don't know why. It says a lot about them as students, I guess. But anyway, we went to Burger King and uh, had a great time there. And I remember looking at Dory. We were a year married, no children, anything like that. And uh, a lot of the students had begun to leave. And I, I don't know why I remember the moment, but I looked right at her sitting in that Burger King booth and said, we could not be any busier. We are so busy. What, what are we going to do with, we've got to find some time. And she was the same way. I mean, she felt it for sure. But I remember having that conversation 
I have to tell you, I laugh at that now. Like I laugh at that. Thinking about now, three kids later, I think about all the time that we wasted. I had so much time as a 25-year-old married guy for a year. I was loving life. It was so easy compared to three kids and all the things now. I remember when we had our first child and we looked at each other like, oh my goodness, we had so much time before we had a child. And then we had the second child. It was like, oh my gosh, it was so easy when we just had one kid, right? And on and on and on and on. And I really do believe, I'm not there yet. I'm 46 years old, three kids. I really believe that when I'm 65 years old and an empty nester and maybe retired somewhere down the road, I still think that if I'm not careful, I'm going to be looking at my wife going, we are so busy. I'm not sure that it changes just based on a life stage. That's my point. We have to steward our time in light of its passing. And um, I'm, I'm walking through a book with our, our guy MAs right now. And today, every time I think I teach here, we've just had discipleship and the Lord's just always hit me between the eyes. Today, it was about balance, which is once again, kind of like me teaching about time right now. It's just laughable, right? We're just talking about balance. And it, I love what the author says. Paul David Tripp is his name. And what he talks about when things get out of balance, it's really an issue of idolatry. It's not about somebody's working you too hard. Um, It is about idolatry. What am I putting my most attention into? What am I most passionate about? And I make that my idol and I go after it. And I'm here to tell you, men, I I look out here, I know some of you, you've nailed this. You're doing really well. But I would have to believe that there's, there's a good group in here as well that is dying for some real balance in their life. They have sold out to ministry. They have sold out. You've sold out to your job. You've sold out to being a husband or being a, uh, a parent, a, a father. But if we're not careful, we'll sell out to one of these things or the other, and we will not have that balance, which really is a heart issue, right? It's an idolatry issue, which comes from the heart. And if we're not careful, then we will not really steward the time that we have that's just passing us by. So my encouragement to you, when we talk about time, my encouragement would be that you simply be intentional with your time. And I know that's such a simple thing to say and a much harder thing to do. But if we're not intentional with our time, it will, it will manage us. It will keep us busy all the time. And I was talking to the MAs today, and, and maybe some of you have experienced this. I, I remember points of getting this to my life, and I need to get back to it where I understand that burning myself for so long, burning myself out or using myself, whatever it is, that I I tell myself I'm getting so much done and that there's going to be this light at the end of the tunnel. If I can just get to this point, then it's going to, this is going to, I'm going to be able to let that maintain while I go take care of some things that I haven't been really taking care of like I should. If I could just get this thing done. And I, I know I serve here at the church. It is a joy. Nobody drives me to do anything hard. I, I want, you know, whatever I do, it's on me. So please, I'm not complaining at all. But for me, I go, man, if I could just get this done and get this rolling, then I'll come over here and I will give my, my wife and my kids the attention that they deserve. They understand I'm just working really hard right now. And what happens is, is over time, if we're not careful, maybe this has happened to you, but if we're not careful, we're, we're given that space to do that and to, to knock it out of the park 
and we get the pats on the back or we get the job done or eternity has changed because of it. All of these things, and we go, well, that was good. I'm going to do that again. And nobody over here, maybe your wife and kids are just so loving and they're so kind and they get it and praise the Lord for what you're doing and we're so proud of you. And so you just keep doing it and you keep doing it. All the time, the people who are encouraging you are the same ones that you're not spending time with. And it's out of balance. We've got to view our time and steward our time in light of eternity, but also understanding that it's passing us by. And nobody's going to come over here and go, hey, hey, hold on. You know, or I just want to give you this gift of more time. We, that's, we can't create more of it. We're going to have to balance what we've got. So we've got to be a steward of our time. I want us to turn it to the tables, but I want you to, uh, to hear, uh, let me just give you this example if I can, just about putting our time into things that truly matter. I went to um, Guatemala for the first time in 1999. And uh, when we got there, I was at another church. We took our student ministry there. And one of the things that we got to do was got to go to this kind of Bible museum in uh, Guatemala. And when we got there, the missionaries introduced us to three gentlemen. I don't remember the gentlemen's names, but they introduced us. And they said they are um, here and they are translating the Bible and into, into an indigenous language. Um, we worked all week with a group of people called the Pokemchi. At that time, there were 300 Pokemchi in all the world. They had their own language, 300. And Wycliffe translators had come in, and they were translating the New Testament into Pokemchi. There's all kinds of studies that show that you can tell a people group about Jesus and about the Lord, but until they see it in writing, it's harder for them to believe because they don't think that a loving God wouldn't be able to speak their language. So Wycliffe translators were there. We shook their hands. We prayed for them and, uh, and just prayed for their work. They had just started uh, probably, I think they had started within the first five, they'd been going about five years and they were translating into Pokemchi and they were so excited about it. So we prayed for them. Fast forward, I go on a mission trip with Bellevue here um, to go, um, it's a dental trip to Guatemala, and uh, which was just really funny that I went on a dental trip um, and, and got to pull teeth and everything. Uh, so we're at this dental trip. We stay at a place in the villages there. Or, or it was a nice place, but it's right there kind of close to the village. We're having breakfast one morning, and our missionary here, Jeff Thomas, um, who was on the ground at that time, Jeff Thomas comes to me, and he's like, hey, I want to introduce you to some guys. And so we get up from breakfast, and we walk over. And we're, we're talking to these individuals. And um, as we're talking, I'm like, I recognize you. I know we're in Guatemala, but I recognize you. And, uh, I, you know, it had been a long time. It had been 16 years. And sure enough, as we're talking, Jeff starts telling a little bit about what they're doing. Come to find out, they were the Wycliffe translators. I say, I know you. And I say, I've met you. We prayed over you in 1999. And you were translating, at that time, you were translating a Bible for the Pokemchi people. And he pulls out of his back pocket. He goes, here it is. He says, we finished it six months ago. Six months. 25 years worth of work. For at that time, in 1999, just a few hundred Pokemchi people. He says, this is it. He has tears in his eyes. I have tears in my eyes. And so we... We talked for a second about it, and, but I did ask him that question. I said, I mean, what is it like 
to hold this Bible in your hand right now. You've put 25 years of your life, you've raised your children in a foreign country in order to do this Bible for people that you, you've had to learn their language and you're gonna hand this Bible in. What is it? And he said this, he said, it's the greatest investment of my time I've ever given. 25 years of his life. Now, what we hope and what I would think has happened is, is those Pokemchi got that Bible in their language and those fathers started reading it and they started giving their lives to Jesus and they told their sons and their grandsons and they told their wives and their daughters and granddaughters and there'll be a group of people who will be forever changed because they got the gospel in their language. That is an investment of time. Now, the application isn't for you to go, what are you gonna do for 25 years? But what is it that you're gonna put your time into? What is it that you're gonna invest your time? You're gonna be a good steward of your time. What are you going to do with that time? That's what I want you to do is ask yourself the question here at your tables. Who's a person in your life or what is a thing in your life that needs your time and attention in light of eternity and in light of the passing of time? Talk about that around your tables. A person or a thing that you need your time or attention. We're not going to have you all share what that is, but I really do hope that you'll write that down on a piece of paper and that one of your goals this week will be to, uh, to follow up and follow through on that. A person or a thing in your life that needs your time and attention. I know in the midst of everything, it's, it's just been a busy couple of weeks. And my daughter's, my youngest daughter's birthday is this week. And we had a big plan for Friday. And when I got home from work last night, she said, Daddy, this is what I've decided. I want you to take me clothes shopping. I can just tell you, for me, that wasn't on my radar, really wasn't on my agenda, wasn't really something that brought me and immediately a lot of joy. But at the same time, I knew this is the right thing to do. And we had such a blast and such a good time. So I'm answering that question. For me, it was I needed to spend time. It wasn't, it wasn't the most important thing for me to do the other things that I had on my agenda for that night. It was going to be some really superficial things that I wanted to do at the house much more better investment for me to spend time with my daughter. So whatever that is for you, I hope that you'll take some time and really work through that. Let's turn a little bit, uh, let's turn now towards the stewardship of money. And there's so much scripture that talks about this, but let's just start out right here. And before we talk about the church side of it, let's talk about for you. First Timothy 5.8, Paul says this, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever, right? This goes beyond tithing. This is about taking care of those that the Lord has put in your path, that he has put in your household. You are to be a steward of the money that God has given you. And you, can, you know about Dave Ramsey. You know about FPU. You know about the ways that you can learn how to be stewards of your money. And I would encourage you, if you don't, just go to DaveRamsey.com. Check it out. You can't walk down many hallways at this church and not see something about FPU. So there's ways for you to learn how to be a good steward of your money. But this, it's because it's biblical. Stewardship is about obedience. It's about obedience. Yes, God owns everything, but it's about obedience to what God's called us to do. You read in the Old Testament, you read in the New Testament, it talks about money. Money. Look at this quote right here. I love this from Donald Whitney. He says, because we spend most of our days working in exchange for money, there's a very real sense in which your money, our money represents us. Therefore, 
how we use it expresses who we are, what our priorities are, and what's in our hearts. That's, that's pretty big and bold right there. How you spend your money, right? It defines who you are. It shows who you are. It, gives, it shows what your priorities are or what, what our priorities are. So if that's the case, then we want to be good stewards of our money. I've already told you, stewardship is a matter of obedience. We see that all throughout Scripture. Another thing, and I'll use the word giving here, but it could be stewardship. But giving is an act of worship. It's an act of worship. We read in Philippians, Paul is talking to the church there at Philippi, and he says this to them. He says, if anyone, I'm sorry, if I have received full payment, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. When you read through the Old Testament, what is the, one of the main ways we knew that they were worshiping God? It was through sacrifice. They made sacrifice. And we read here that it says the same thing, that what we give, how we take care of, how they were taking care of Paul, as he was making his missionary journeys and doing all that he was doing, we read that he says, I, I receive what you've done for me. I receive it as a sacrifice from you. So your, your giving, your stewardship of your money, it's not about how much. You know this. It's not about how much. It's the sacrifice behind it. I told you about my trip to Guatemala. The Lord really did a lot of work in my life. I've made five trips there. All I hadn't been there since 2015, but um, I made five trips there. And on that second trip that we went on, our missionaries took us up to this mountain. And they said, look, when we get up here, we're just going to walk around like we're tourists. But really what we're going to do is we're going to prayer walk. We're going to pray around this place because this is a demonic stronghold. And so just pray. So we had our high schoolers and um, some of our adults, and we, we hiked up the mountain. And sure enough, you get up there, there were pentagrams everywhere. They were sacrificing live chickens, the whole deal. And you would walk into this little chapel that was up top, and it was to a god named San Simone. And it was just a, it was a human um, back from 100, 100 years ago. And uh, they would, people would walk in. And so we were just supposed to be tourists and doing our thing and, um, and just looking around like it was this site. But we're just praying and kind of whispering our prayers. But you would watch. I watched. I stood in the back of this place, and you'd see them come in one door. And they would go up to the front of the chapel, and there'd be flowers and this big old picture of San Simone and incense burning and a lot of other things. And you would see people. They would get out of their pockets, and they'd give their quetzals, which um, was like their money. And they would, just whatever they had, and it might be like five quetzals, maybe like 75 cents, but they, everything that they had, they'd emptied out and they'd put it um, at this little altar. And about every 10 minutes, no joke, about every 10 minutes, as people just filed through there, they would close this door for just a little bit so that the line would die down. And when that would happen, there would be a man that was standing behind the San Simone picture. He would just come out and he would just take that money and he'd just put it in his pocket. And then he'd go right back around and then they'd open the door again. And so I asked the missionaries and the missionaries said, yeah, he owns this chapel. And so he's just making money. And uh, so it was just an awful, kind of an awful scene. These are people that have nothing. They're putting all their faith into this, this nothing. Um, and they're given what they have because they think they're going to be blessed because of it. So we prayed over that place. It's a long story. We prayed over that place. We go back there two years later, and the missionaries say, hey, we have one more stop. 
And we, we stop, we go up this mountain. The places around the base of the mountain had changed quite a bit. Nothing was recognizable. We didn't know where we were really. And we get up to the top and we're like, hey, this looks familiar. And it was the same place that was now a church. Uh, and we, it wasn't, I mean, it was a lot of prayers, a lot of missionary work, but that place had become a church. Same structure. They'd come in, they'd painted it white. It's just cement, uh, nothing inside, no electricity, no water, no nothing. But it was a church now, and there was an altar there. And when we went, there were no pentagrams, there were no live chickens, there was nothing going on. But we saw people regularly sacrificing what they had now to help spread the gospel. They were taking up an offering just like we would in church. And they were doing this so that they could tell other people, other Guatemalans, about who Jesus was. It was a great picture of, one, this sacrifice that was being not used by the Lord, but instead was just being, just pocketing the line, or lining the pockets of a man. And then on the other hand, you have this church that is now being used in the same place is being used to help spread the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. Your stewardship of your money, your giving, is an act of worship. You need to pray and ask the Lord to help you be a sacrificial giver. And for some of you in this room, you practice this, you're in, you see it. And for some of you, you're, you're holding on. And it's not because you're a greedy person. It's because you're just not sure that this will all work like the Bible says it will. And I just really encourage you, see what the Lord would do. The Bible says, test me. God says, test me and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven. So we, we want to believe that. So it's an act of worship. Another thing is, is that giving reflects faith in God's provision. Giving reflects faith in God's provision. You've all heard this story before, probably in Mark chapter 12. This is what happens. He says, and he sat down opposite the treasury and he watched the people, this is Jesus, putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of, the, out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Giving reflects faith in God's provision. Do you live your life in such a way? Do you steward your money in such a way that you know that truly if he owns everything, that he is going to provide and meet your needs? And because of that, you can give sacrificially. You give sacrificially, he provides providentially. Do you believe that? I would encourage you as you think about stewardship of your money, that you live your life in such a way that you believe, that you have faith that God will provide through your giving. It's very simple. But do you live your life that way? And then the last thing is this. Giving is the sacrifice. It's true sacrifice. Giving is true sacrifice. We've talked about sacrifice with worship. I want to read this passage to you in Luke, and then we're going to turn it to the tables and finish up that way. This is what it says in Luke 16. It says, One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Maybe you've heard this verse before in verse 13. No servant can serve two masters, 
For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Giving is true sacrifice. I want that to be the, the thing that you take away when we talk about stewardship, is that giving and stewardship is just, it's true sacrifice. What is it that God is calling you to sacrifice? Maybe it's that toy you've always wanted or you've already gotten. Maybe it's um, your future hopes and dreams that don't line up with what God's future hope and dreams are for you or your family. But giving and stewardship is true sacrifice. I want to turn it back to your tables as we finish up tonight. I'm going to have you answer this last question. I'm going to pray for us, and then um, uh, we're going to get this question here. Let me pray, and then we'll do that, and then you are going to be free to go after that. Thank you guys for being with us tonight. Uh, Let me pray, and then I'll give you this question. Lord, thank you so much for this time with these men. I pray for each of them. Uh, They have many things on them with work, many with family, uh, with other relationships going on in their lives, with their personal time with you. Lord, all of these things that aren't just magically going to get taken care of or aren't just going to thrive on their own. It's going to be by us putting our trust in you and then also using the gifts that you've given us and being equipped um, to do the good work that you've called us to do and to manage our time well and to manage our money well. So I pray for these men. I thank you for them. And I pray that even as they discuss um, around their tables now, that the time would be fruitful and they'd walk away here with a clear next step of what you're calling them to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's your question that I want you to talk about around your table. And if you want to talk about this, if you want to spend some time praying about this, share it with one other person, whatever you want to do. What's an area of your life that you can commit to stewarding well this coming week. I'd love for you to think about that and be specific. What's an area of your life that you can commit to stewarding well this coming week? Share it with somebody so they can hold you accountable in it. And uh, when you're finished up with that, we'll be all done. Thank you, guys.